This uh, today is Parashat Vayashem. It's the 8th of December and the 24th of Kislev. At sundown, we light the first candle for Hanukkah. Hanukkah, spelled 96 different ways. Chanukah is uh, Hebrew for dedication. Exactly right, for dedication. Right. So, if it's, if it's time for Hanukkah, then you also know that it's also time for Rosh Kodesh because there's always the new moon in the middle of the week of Hanukkah. Why? That's just. Say so by definition, Hanukkah 25th. begins on what day? 25th. The 25th of Kislev. And how many days are in a biblical month? 30. 29 or 30, right? Normally 30. So if Hanukkah is eight days long, there's no way you can have a Rosh Kodesh sometime in Hanukkah. And on the sixth day, we have the first of Tevet and Rosh Kodesh, which means head of the... Moon. Head of the newness, actually, is right. right. Kodesh, no head of new, uh, head of the new moon, exactly. Kodesh is moon. Well, Kodesh, well, Kodesh is moon. Yes, right. it does come from Kodesh. Right. It's all okay. very nebulous. Okay, so, I can see we got a tough crowd over here, and I'm sorry that the three of you got. Uh, um, We're just technical. That's right. That's right. All right. So that means that the the really spiritual, mystical stuff will need to come from this side. Uh, this week. Off on her already, That's right. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, first off, uh, we want to uh, welcome the Wrights for their first Shabbat uh, in the house with us. There's one, two, three, four. And uh, Sean is uh, the dad. Is four or five? Five, I think. One, two, three, four. Oh, I didn't count Brock. Because Brock's been here before. All right, so the, the rights are here, and Sean is Sean is homesick. Not that right. Not the, the those the other rights. The wrong rights. The other rights. Uh, left, right. It, we're glad you're here. So Sean is homesick. Johnny is uh, sick with a bad neck thing. So you want to remember them in your prayers, and of course we uh, pray for Smitty or Harry um, and uh, the family that. Uh, Joe's uh, brother-in-law passed away yesterday, so uh, you want to remember them in your prayers as well. And I might want to remind everybody, there's, we're not probably going to meet the next time? Yeah, so we've got two two things on meetings. Thank you, Alan. Um, first is that the uh, study class is not meeting this Tuesday night, even though Jerry Wright can finally make it again. Um, <laughs> and we were actually going to meet just for that, but now we decided that we can't meet because of uh, all of the Hanukkah holidays, uh, parties, and I hope that if you're not going to a, a Hanukkah party, you'll have one, and then just invite everybody, and that'll show them. So uh, we'll try and, try and do that. Like. That's right. There it is. That's right. So uh, well, okay. so it's Hanukkah. Uh, <laughs> so Tuesday night we're not meeting, and then this coming Shabbat, we wouldn't be meeting anyway, but the following Shabbat in two weeks is the one right, right before Christmas, I believe. Um, and I think we were talking last couple weeks ago, that last year for Christmas. Was it Christmas Day? Yes. Christmas Day, we had a minion praying here. How cool is that? Unbelievable. Now, we can actually have a minion this Shabbat right before Christmas this year, too, 
but my family will all be in Florida. So you're welcome to use the backyard. It's okay. I will strike it. Let me let me just look and see what time we are on the thing. Good. Four minutes. Yeah. We want to come with us. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, it'll be a long caravan. Yeah. So since I'm going to cut it anyway, we are going down to uh, celebrate Henry's 75th birthday, and he does not know that we're coming down. And my whole family, my whole family is going down. My 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 wife and I, our children, my sons-in-law, my sons-in-law to be, my sons-in-law that haven't been. All of them are coming. So. Yeah. All everybody's coming. Even Sophia's coming. So it's going to be a great time. Um, so to that effect, I will I will toss it out there again. You can meet in the backyard, or perhaps better, someone should think about having the uh, having the community come over either for prayers or for oneg or for portion discussion or for any combination thereof. It's up to you. Dance. If uh, dancing too, sure. If uh, if you're curious about what that would take and you're interested in doing that, see either me, Alan, or Morgan anytime in the next two, three days. But by this Shabbat, a week from today, we'll go ahead and cancel it if nobody has said yeah, well, we'll have everybody over for food, but we can't do a portion discussion. Or we'll have everybody over to pray, but we don't want to do any food, or whatever you decide. It's fun. Okay. Or both. Thank you. Or all three, or you know, any of those things. Um, if you have a, you know, if you have a long driveway, that could work too. So, um, if the weather's okay. So, Vayashev, um, I don't think there's any other. Were there any, any other announcements I needed to make? Negative. Okay. Um, Okay, Vayashev, uh, if someone said, uh, oh, I do have one. Josiah, yes. is your family going to celebrate Christmas this year? No. Why not? First of all, <laughs> first of all, it's not a Jewish holiday. Second of all, they're, they're, the Christmas, there, there are most things on in pre and Christmas are pagan thing, pagan symbols. What, what else? <laughs> when was your show? The class isn't real. <laughs> there you go. That's true. <laughs> There may be some people, Jerry may not know that. <laughs> don't ruin it, Adam. That is true, Santa Claus is not real. What was the last thing? When, what, are, what, are, what are people that celebrate Christmas that are believers, what are they celebrating? They believe that Yeshua was born on Christmas. Instead of Sukkot. How about that? So there you go. So out of the mouth of babes, although very intelligent babes, right? So um, if, uh, if they can do it, certainly you can at least express yourself um, with a plum. And, uh, and of course, as we're commanded in the scriptures, you want to do that with patience and gentleness. Okay. If I ask you about this portion via shed, what's it all about? Any and he sat? No, he's, he dwelled. He dwelled. <laughs> who, is it that, who is it that's sitting or dwelling? Jacob is sitting or dwelling. 
So, what's the story all about in one word? Redemption. You say redemption. I like that. You've been here before. Uh, <laughs> another word. Mashiach. Mashiach. That's good. Have you met this guy? That's good. Okay, Mashiach Ben Yosef. Good. Sovereignty. Ooh, sovereignty. I like that. We'll bring that up. Anything else? I, I can't understand yet. All right. Um, last year, when we went through this portion, we talked about how many uh, how many parallels there are between Joseph and in the story and Mashiach and I think we came up with where's Mary what is it like over 50 50 60 different things and if you're looking for that uh, we're going to post that on the Bellator or the Men of Torah site um, later today or tomorrow uh, so that you can see that list but I saw one today that we didn't list last year so I hope that we'll uh, come up to that um, so as we look through um, the portion which begins in chapter 37 of the Rashid, I hope that you'll look for things that are anomalies I'm looking for the weird stuff it's like well gosh how come that's there why didn't it say anything about that or whatever the case might be um, so let's let's pick up shall we in uh, 37 Jacob settling in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan or Canaan. These are the chronicles of Jacob. And it begins then with Joseph. That to me is extraordinary. It's a great portion. Where is uh, oh, is Joe gone? Where's Joe? Oh, he, is. Oh, he, he left? Um, Joe's got a great name, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. So Joseph is 17. And uh, he's a shepherd with his brothers. So let's jump to the chase. And instead of reading it again, somebody summarize for me what happens here. What do we got going on? Yes. Um, Nathan. Basically, Noah. No, Noah. No. Basically, Joseph starts having dreams, and the brothers are very jealous and hate him. So you have uh, you have brothers. <laughs> would you say that your brothers like you? Jury's <laughs> <laughs> out on that one, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I've talked to them, and they're you know they're all, they're almost fond of you. Almost. Yeah. They just keep working on that. Now, one thing I I think you can tell is that from the story is that if God would speak with you. And your brothers are involved. It might be best to keep that to yourself. Yeah. So I, so I would ask. Then we've all, we're all in families of some type. Why in the world would this guy? Why would this young lad actually choose to tell his brothers these two stories? And in fact, in the second story, or the second uh, prophecy, if you will, he actually doesn't tell just his brothers, but his father as well. Why do you suppose he did that? Yes, ma'am. You know, the only thing I can think of right off the bat is that he's a guy. 
because my boys will tell their dreams as soon as they get up. And all of us girls, we don't want to see all the I agree with you 100%. I know all the dreams I've had. Got them categorized, alphabetized. I know whether they're always in color. I never do the black and white thing. You know, I asked my wife, she had no idea. What's up with that? Jo Joseph has no cunning. Joseph has no guile. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes people who have no guile actually do things that seem stupid, dumb. Yeah, it's like it's like, did you think before you open your mouth? Yeah, exactly right. And we see this in young people, right? When when you ask the, the young people, you know, do you like this hat? No, that hat looks stupid. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're, they're telling you the truth, and they have no reason to lie. They have no reason to hide that. They haven't learned yet how to. Tact. Tactfully. <laughs> well, you know, we have to draw that line between tact and lying, right? It's a difficult thing. Gloria. Well, I would submit that uh, based on what he said to the cupbearer, you know, that, what was it, dreams were from God, you know, that he recognized already that this is God. And I think, personally, if you really think you heard from God, you might be excited about what he, you know, that he's actually told you something or made something seem real to you. Um, Could be. I would think out of excitement, he would, I would think. Could be. I, I, I'm always leery about people that walk up to me and say, I've got a word from the Lord. Or God told me to tell you that you're going to get a great tax return. Or, you know, whatever it may be. I, I'm always leery about that. And, and I recognize that God can and does speak to men in these days. I realize that. And I also realize that I have the bias of coming from a Methodist church background, not a Pentecostal, charismatic, or anything else, or spirit-filled, as it were. So I, I understand that. Um, but I think Gloria's right. Joseph knows God, and he knows that God is speaking to him. And he knows later on, and even tells people who don't know God, why would you be trying to interpret a dream? Interpretation is given by God. Good. So he, he feels that he's heard from, from the Lord. And actually, to Joseph's credit, he doesn't interpret either of these dreams. That's right. It's his brothers who interpret these dreams. So Even though they did interpret them apparently correctly. Apparently correctly. Yeah. But I think that, but my point being, though, is yeah. that Joseph's not. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think we give too too harsh a rap on Joseph on the dream telling. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he was in. I think it was maybe foolish. Maybe the way he handled it would have been better. But I don't know. That I could really necessarily like critique him so strongly there. Where I where I think the problems are set up happened before that. The, the favoritism for his father, and then specifically, I think where 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 the sages really hit him is on these evil reports he brings about his brothers. He essentially slanders them. They, the sages say that he. He had kind of saw something, thought it was bad, told his dad, but didn't have the whole story. And um, it's interesting that the word they use is pretty strong there, ra'ah, like it's evil. Like it's, it's a really strong term for, for like a negative word. So I feel like with Joseph, that was his error. And then the, the dream thing was sort of the icing on the cake. Yeah. But if he'd only told his dreams, I don't think it would have been as bad. Um, that could be the case. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that we would categorize him these days as a goody two-shoes, a brown noser, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do think if you look at Joseph 
Um, I got you. Stand by. And I got you. Um, I do think if you look at Joseph from the perspective of being a prophet, then he really has no choice. He's heard from the Lord. He knows. And he needs to share. Because that's what they do. God doesn't speak to prophets for them to keep it to themselves. And I think that he was right to share it. Now, the fact that his brothers didn't take it too well, the fact that there was already some angst going on there, you know, um, could be simply because this man, as your dad said, is so totally honest. There is no guile. He's just, well, he's a representative of, or a picture, of the truly holy and honest one, is he not? Um, stand by. Yes, sir. What Mr. from Mr. Spurlock said, when Joseph actually told a bad report about to his father, said it the wrong way. He should have said, "Father, I I have seen something that I do not understand. That I think my, that might be bad." That's a better way than blaming and telling it and just blurting out without without even knowing what even really happened, but what that was meaning. If you want to, (laughs) it's fine by me. This is good. Well done. Yeah, and did you notice that you move from Master Spurlock now that you've got the bride, Mr. Spurlock? You didn't think of talking about him. No, no, no. Yes, indeed. Well done. <laughs> See if you can top that, bud. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, one thing that, that, I, that I had noticed prior years is the dream of the sheaves, right? Of course, he has the dream, and he's, you know, the other sheaves are his brothers, and they bow down, bow, bow down to him, and the text gives the interpretation. They said, what, you know, you're going to rule over us, right? And of course, we know that's also a prophetic picture. But, but the other thing that that, that uh, came to my attention this year was that that actually literally happened 20 years later when the brothers went down to Egypt for, for food, for wheat, yeah, for Jeez. grain. And here is Yosef handing out the grain. So he's the chief sheave, as it were. He's the big sheave. <laughs> and, and the brothers come and bow before him and are asking to, to, for grain. Yeah. Right? So you see, um, you know, there's the global prophetic picture that we've all understood, but it literally kind of came to pass just 20 years later. Absolutely. Uh, Good. With grain as the, as the subject. Exactly right. So, yes, yes. And the second dream about the moon and the stars and, and the sun, um, just as you wanted us to point out things that don't make sense. How can Jacob, or sorry, how can Joseph's mother, who is the symbol of the moon, bow down? She's been dead for now years. But since he was born, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, since since Benjamin was born, but you know, shortly after he's been sure. She's been dead a long time. So yeah. How, how can uh, it's good. It's good. I don't think I understood. I didn't hear. It he's, make sense. he's he's saying that uh, if if the sun and the moon and the stars represent Jacob and his wife and his children. How can his mother bow down if his mother died in childbirth with his younger brother? And it, so it's got to be a prophetic thing. Yes, and, and and Yeshua drawing from something very similar in in, in pronouncing the doctrine of the resurrection to the dead. 
said that there can only be one answer, and that is that his mother would be raised. In the resurrection? Well, and it says that Yaakov considered the matter. Yeah, it's like, ooh. Yeah. Who, who else considered the matter in her heart? Mary. Mary. Mary did that. Right. Remember, our whole goal here is to draw these parallels, not only to Yeshua, but the whole time frame and all that, because we're going to see that was the apostolic reading that we had. Yes? What I'm trying to point out is that when Yosef, when Yosef told his dream to his father, he said, Am I... Your, am I, your, your mother and your brothers, supposed to bow down for, to you? And what I think what he meant is in heaven, what, which is when the time where everybody, everybody who believes in the God as their savior will be up in heaven. And I think that's what Yaakov meant to say. Probably leaning towards some type of resurrection type opportunity. I like that. A little Baptist theology slipped in, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know your dad. That's good. That's good. I think there's two, two, two angles to this. One is that. <clears throat> Go ahead, finish. Finish. Um, that Jacob's uh, ultimately, the sages comment that Bilhah, who was sort of like the, the um, stand in mom for Joseph when Rachel died, mm -hmm would come down with the family to Egypt. And so in a, in a simplistic sense, the mother of the family oh, okay. does sure. come and bow. Stepmotherish in any type deal. But, but Juliana pointed out an interesting thought thinking about the connection between Joseph and Messiah, that in some sense, maybe this dream, its full interpretation was not entirely linked to Joseph. Maybe it is more almost the idea of like sort of the representations of the nations of Israel bowing to Mashiach in a more exalted concept. Because this particular allegory of the star, the sun, the moons, is we see it repeated in Revelation with the woman who has the, you know, the moon yeah, in her head, and, yeah, or the sun in her head, and the moon in her feet, mm -hmm. etc. Yeah. What a little side twist. That's good. There's no shame in that. Okay. 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 What Rick was saying, whereas Joseph didn't really use any way of, he wasn't using a sly method of telling everybody, he just kind of blurted it out. And, uh, and Amos, that was really cool. And verse 7 where it says, For the Lord Adonai Elohim will not do anything unless he has revealed a secret to his servants, right. the prophet. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord Adonai has spoken, who will not prophesy? And you chose that passage in Amos chapter 2 and 3 because. Well, if. Why'd you choose that passage? I, I agree with you. I just, for those who weren't here this morning, why'd you choose that passage? Well, I, I figure that a lot of times people will say things and will feel that we are obligated to say it. And when God will say things, we don't actually want to say it. That's true. We don't have the choice to say it. A lot of times we'll actually hold back. We'll say, oh, this guy, this doctor says... Sort of backwards. Right. Amos chapter 2 and 3 were the the Haftarah for this week. Exactly Those right. Those sages are smart. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's really astonishing sometimes. What's astonishing is that people don't recognize it, right? I'm not astonished that they don't recognize it anymore. I'm astonished that the people that are teaching them don't recognize it and teach themselves, which is a big ding on the teachers, but I'm in good company because I think James and several other wise men said the same deal. Okay, so that was good. Pick up in... Uh, 
Bereshit, Genesis chapter 37 and verse 12, please. Verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. Shechem. Pardon me. That's right. Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers are pastoring in Shechem. Are they not? I got that. I got it all over my Bible now. Come, I will send you to them. He said to them, he said to him, Here I am. What's your version got? Here I am. Verse 13. Here I am. Right? Here I am. Yeah. Anybody else got something different? Is that pretty much it? Yeah. So we're gonna do a little romance action, right? So what is that? What does that give you a hint of? What, what, what does he remind you of? Abraham. Abraham, I like that. Samuel. Samuel's the one that I was thinking of, right? Somebody hears the word of his father, or God the Father, and runs in and says, Here I am. Speak, your servant hears, right? And his father had to teach him, you know, you need, you need to respond in this way. I, I like that. You said Abraham. Why Abraham? Well, I think that's Abraham's response right before the Akedah. That's his response right before the Akedah? Okay. Isaac. Isaac. Okay. Samuel. Yeah, Samuel we said, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Good? Good? Yeshua. <laughs> now, Yeshua works almost like <laughs> that, but it doesn't work in that way. But I think sure. you could take sort of a, an attack that his mother said the same thing. Behold your servant. Let it happen as you've said in, in the uh, Magnificat if you're you know, happening to go listen. Isaiah says, right, here am I, send me, kind of thing. Yeah. Right? I, think, I think this passage, to me, I'm just thinking here, as I think about sovereignty in, in this whole story, there seems to be this divine intervention. Like, if you were to pull Pete aside and say, okay, Pete, I need you to go run an errand, and, and while you're out, you know, check with your sister, make sure things okay at their house. I don't think it would come off quite as dramatically as this text That's seems right. to present. That's right. I mean, this whole text it's almost blundering sounds like... blundering in Paris, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This whole text kind of, kind of sounds like there's this king sitting an emissary to go do some important work. Exactly. And, and then... The and he uses language like that. And he uses language like that. And then it says things like he sent him from the depth of Hebron. That sounds mysterious enough. <laughs> and then it, and it continues with this random guy who meets Jake, uh, Joseph in, when he's blundering well, and then happens to redirect him. Yeah, well, it's almost like God's intentionally... Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's direction going on. Let's talk about this guy. Because I don't know about you, I try to always see it in my mind's eye. I, I'm, I see just, you know, like a little... Lemonade stand, right in the middle of the you know of a field, you know, and, and the guy's shiny. Well, well, I know he's shiny. I mean, he's looking at, you know, Joseph comes over the hill. He's looking around for his brothers. How do you hide a bunch of sheep? You don't. They make noise. They're all over the place. They smell, right? So all he sees is this lemonade stand. Walks up. Have, have you seen my brothers? Well, actually, yeah, they came through. Everyone except Reuben got lemonade. I don't know what's up with that, but they want to. Re I, I just think it's funny that this guy's standing evidently in the middle of nowhere, all by himself, just tapping his foot, looking. Yeah, it's like you're watching one of those movies with a, you know, the future timeline deal. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go back in time, and I know some guy's going to show up in a, in a Maserati in a second here, you know, with some fuel burner thing to hand me tickets to the opera. Oh, there he is. Yeah, I know where your brothers are. They're over there. And he's gone again. Yes, sir. Um, the fact that 
the fact that the brothers go to Shechem to graze their flocks, right? When Jacob hears where they're at, that's when he gets concerned. He says, oh, Right. I need to send somebody down to make sure they're exactly. okay. Why? Yeah. Because we just read last week right. what happened you know, a few years earlier in Shechem, right? They don't like us very much. Either. There's not a lot of guys in Shechem. But vendetta, right, means remember in Italian. Right. So, uh, so he's concerned for their, for their well-being because of the history that's yeah. there. Right? Yeah. So he, he's sending his beloved son to go check on the well-being of his, his the rest of his, his children. family. Right. Right? Um, that's a picture of Messiah right there. Absolutely. And don't you wonder about the health and welfare of the beloved son that's sent? Well, the master was. He told a story right. about the guys with the vineyard, right? right. They beat him up. Anyway, so, um, and then, so the, the guy, the guy that shows up, um, you know, one of the one of the views from Hazal uh, is that this is Gabriel, that this is is an angel who was who was specifically there to have this you know, brief interaction with with Yosef and kind of point him to the time where his brothers had moved on. So that's one view. Exactly. Gabriel. I like that. Again, can you picture it in your mind before I got I got you guys. Can can you picture it? I mean he comes over the hill. Does the guy show up or does Joseph show up? It's Joseph who shows up. The guy's just there. He meets this man there. It says he's a man. That's what I was gonna say though, because it's a little it's a little backwards though. Because this guy actually finds Joseph in the field. So blundering, blundering. So he's wandering around. Maybe it's one of those corn mazes. Yeah, you <laughs> don't say anything. You know, then he comes in. Yes, sir. I was gonna say. I got you. Right after the whole blundering part, after the man finds him, and now he's talking. The man he, he instigates the conversation, and he says, "What are you? Looking what are you looking for?" He assumes that he's looking for something. And Joseph replies, "I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are?" He doesn't specify who his brothers are. Who's my brother? He's assuming that the man already knows, and the man does. He's like, "Oh, actually, yeah, they're that way." But how does the man know his brothers? Isn't that scary? And then, and then how does he know? Like he said, I heard them say, like like he was there. Why was he there? Was he a servant? Does it say? Back to the lemonade stand. That's it. That's it. That's exactly right. I got you. Then I got the lead. And, and to the point that his brothers were up to no good. And in the Hebrew, in verse twelve, it says, "Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock." Um, there's two dots over the et zone. The their uh, their father's flock. Two two dots, and we've seen dots before. Dots are good. Dots make us. They, they make us cringe. That's right. They make us like try to protect our necks. Yeah. So um, <laughs> right. So and, and the fact that and uh, in, in, in the next verse, Jacob. Is, is, it's a viper moment. Stand by. Jacob's called Israel. Right. And with the name that really denotes his spiritual significance is his strength, uh, and so so I think he knows what's going on. It's like a they're, they're, they're possibly up to no good, and he's he's trying to correct them, uh, by, uh, and in the ways of godliness, so as it, as the as the name right. suggests. Good, very good. Uh, the lead. Joseph, we when we first see him, he's with his brothers, and then we see him not in the field with his brothers. He's with his father. He's with his father. It's kind of like okay, you know, let's just keep you at home this time. Mm. 
but then the second comes in the story and he gets worried. But he's heard these dreams too, and he's pondering them in his heart. So the dreams haven't come to fruition yet, so Jacob's like, eh, I can send you because you've got other things coming. Maybe you're going to be in charge of all my inheritance. You know, you're going to be okay, you're safe, I'll send you. So how much more devastating then would have been the announcement that your son is dead? Yeah, good point. Because he sent him out so. And, and especially if, if you take the, the bird's eye view of this is a picture of Yeshua being sent because his people are up to no good, and God the Father has sent him and his son to go bring them back to, towards repentance, towards the way of godliness, and they, they sell him off because at first he has to be that Mashiach when you're set. Right. So I, I, the, the, the big picture points. Good. The lady. Well, as we were reading it this week, um, it, it just, it kind of hit me something Joshua said, like, it, looking at this event much more in the big picture, because um, Jacob sends his son to go check out his brothers, and he gets to Shechem where they're supposed to be, and they're not there. So... He could very well just turned around and said, "Hey, you know, they, they weren't there. I don't, I don't know." Where you they told me they were in Shechem. They weren't there. Right, and that's he could, a, that's he an even more important thing. See, the big picture here: the life of the world is hanging in the balance. Joseph needs to go to Egypt, and he doesn't know that, and nobody else really knows that. But he needs to because in 20 years he's going to save the world, and this one little event. Is what it's is the entire world is hanging in balance. He needs to go find his brothers, and so whether the man who discovers him is an angel, or whether it's just a man who who actually did happen to hear his brother say where they were going, God sends the right man at the right time to tell him, oh yeah, they're over here, because well now Joseph being the upright righteous man that he is can't very well turn around and say well they weren't in Shechem. They, yeah I know where they are but I can't go. Yeah. That's good. So we did. That's good. Uh, so they read the Bible together during the week. I like that. I think I like that. <laughs> he answered the question. She answered the question. That's my that's my daughter, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah so you know. That's my daughter. Um, that's your daughter. <laughs> that's my sister. That's right. My sister. My sister and Everyone here is actually related to Juliana. <laughs> It's just, a, it's just a matter of degrees. Um, I got you. She's the Captain Bacon of the tour. One second. Senor. Did you have something you want to say? Are you related to Julia? No, I'm not. Go ahead. Well, when, when Yosef is wandering in the field, this man just comes up. Mm. From one of the houses, or one of the someplace, someplace, or, or even over the hill, and you can recognize. Well, most people, well, some people can recognize that that is actually just like what Yeshua said. It sort of connects with what Yeshua said. You would, that man would sort of like a shepherd tend. Finding a lost sheep, and he's wandering around looking for his mother. And then the man sort of helps him get on his way, sort of leads him to his mother. 
I'm up to 99 for one and all of it. That's pretty cool. And you do this without, and you quote directly sometimes without opening the book. Mm -hmm. I like that too. They must read the Bible during the week. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and we're all related. <laughs> by the way, that's a brilliant picture. Because that's good. Yes, yes, setting a picture of Messiah who is the good shepherd looking for the lost sheep. So perfect. 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 But tying back to something Jonathan said uh, in, in verse 17, and the man said, they've departed from here. Uh, and then he says, I've heard them say, let's go down, let's go to Dothan. Uh, the Midrash Rabbah picks up on that phrase, and they departed from here, as if to say they, de they were departing from the, um, the ways of the God. Ways of God. Right. They, they were, in fact, up to no good. Really. Right. Um, right. So which, so. which actually lends some credence to the Ra report the evil report that we've had of these guys earlier but let's let's not mistake the story here and, and misunderstand these guys represent us wayward people right wayward children of God that are without hope lost in the world and need a savior right yes this uh, this occurs this man meeting Yosef occurs in the very same place that we read about in John 4, where the woman at the well. Really? Yeah. You know, my, my uh, was it, that's not uh, Dotan. No, no. That's just outside Shep of Shep Shep. Really? That's very cool. That's very cool. What if there's a time portal there near that? <laughs> I, I, was, um, I was looking up Hebrew words while someone was reading the portion this morning, and I thought about you, Greg, uh, because one of these words, maybe it was Dothan or Dotan. Does that mean two wells? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll get there. Uh -oh. I just was thinking about it, so. All right. Good <laughs> right. Yeah, this could be great. All right, so. There's another place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So. If, if we if we go back to the guy who's just got the lemonade stand, right? <laughs> Joseph comes over the hill, as it were, is looking around, and was it blundering? Blundering. He's blundering about looking. You know, I'm I'm thinking I've been to the land. If you're in a place where they do any kind of sheep stuff, and you know, there's really I mean, you can see for a long way off. You know, blundering around. What are you gonna do? Walk in a circle? I mean. I can see they're not over there. I can see they're not over there. They're not over there. So you got got to go over the next hill, I guess. You know, so you're going over hills and trying to do that in order to find these people. Um, it's interesting that uh, the brothers, on the other hand, the man didn't do this, but they, verse 18, saw him from afar. What does that mean? What's that mean? You got any insight on that? No, I just the portal. I've heard that phrase before. Yeah, where have you heard that? About Abraham and Yeshua. Abraham and Yeshua. Okay, I I see him, but not now. They lifted their eyes, right? See, look across the field, right? Look across the field because it's ripe unto harvest. Balaam, I see him, Mashiach, but not now. If he's afar off, that kind of thing. Rebecca with Isaac. Yeah, she lifted up her eyes and she saw him from afar off. 
Who is that? That's my master. Boom, off the camera. Okay, good. Any more afars? The good. wise men. Good, yes. You had an afar? Three. Three. Four. You said that too? You've got to make more noise. I thought Abraham was master. No. Who's master, Joshua? Well, we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and then Abraham had sent his servant. Eliezer? Eleazar, right? So it is true that Abraham is his master. But it's also true that Isaac, the son, is his master as well. Good point. All right. Are you are you checking the hair or you got a you're trying to make a bid? No? Okay, just check. I don't want to yes, yes. I was just gonna briefly mention this backtracking just a little bit, but it's very quick because I uh uh Yonatan what do we call him now? Hagadol. Hagadol. Yonatan Hagadol. You could do it like this. Yonatan Hagadol. Israel, how it mentions it. When Israel said unto him, Go down to check on your brothers. And I was just noting that previously, because the name Jacob is used repeatedly. In fact, it's always used so, until you get to this point. Well, that's not true. And that's why I was just going to point out in verse 3 because it uses Israel. And and I think that's important because that's when Israel's um, favoring Joseph more than his brothers. Oh, right at the beginning. So someone, okay. I think someone was trying to ding hmm. Jacob for showing favoritism. But I think it's important that he did because he was, if, if you take that traditional uh, bent where it, when it uses Israel, he's doing yeah, things spiritually correctly. Yeah. So, so Israel you get to buy on the Yosef, favoritism deal. And then Israel sent Yosef out yeah. to his brothers. Well, we do need to remember that as a picture of Messiah, Yeshua is the beloved. He is the favorite. There's no question. And I want you to know publicly, you are my favorite son. All right. He wants a tunic. <laughs> 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 right, so we're going we're to skip through the tar pits and all that kind of stuff here. Um, so I want some summary statements here before we um, get down into Egypt, or it'll be 4 o'clock before we finish. So you got a couple you want to jump through. That's fine. Um, so we're going to take, so take some highlights from you. Um, that dreamer is coming. As far as we know, he only told two dreams. But now he's got the nickname. He's the dream. Well, I think we know he told at least three based on after the first one. It's saying they hated him because of his dreams. Plural, exactly. So I mentioned one. So, said so, and that was my point. He didn't get the nickname the dreamer for just these two times. He's, he's evidently getting a lot of insight from God. Yes, sir? Um... Before we jump completely over that, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to move through it, but I want to take highlights, and you know, I'd like to do a little bit of stuff on Reuben before we jump to Judah. So, uh, verse thirty-one, and they took Yosef's coat and killed his Hebrew and dipped his coat in blood. Yes. Okay. Um, there's an interesting, interesting drash that. Links that ties this to Passover 
and a couple of other things because the Hebrew word for the for the coat um, is uh, it's described as hapasim, hapasim, uh, uh, which is the colors. Okay, and the root word of that is pas, pay, summit. And there's a drash that there's a drash that ties um, the karpas, the karpas, mm -hmm. the Passover. Sure, on the plate. That ties the, the that connects the roots there, and the the, the karpas we we take that and we dip it. The, the customers we dip it in uh, salt water. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a drash in an ancient custom that um, that way, way back, the tradition was not to dip it in salt water, but to actually dip it in um, red, wine red wine vinegar as a, as a symbol of the blood. We changed our Seder the last time you told us that. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, so on one sense, when connected stri strictly to the Passover story, the, the, the carpus, typically parsley or something green leafy, is kind of a picture of hyssop. Dipping in red wine vinegar is a picture of blood, and the hyssop is what we use to put blood on the doorpost, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there's a but there's a, a drosh that connects the dipping of Yosef's coat in blood with this custom of dipping the carpas because it shares the same. There's a connection there with the in mm -hmm. uh, the red wine vinegar symbolic of blood, which then of course also ties to the script description we have of Messiah in Revelation. Is described as wearing a a robe dipped in blood. So beautiful picture there that kind of ties all this no, together. Even even if you're not reading the sages and don't know about the carpus, right. the fact that Joseph, a picture of Messiah, has his coat dipped in blood, and we actually see Messiah with his coat dipped in blood. Right. And by the unbelievable. By, by the way, the reason, according to one source, that the tradition moved away from using red wine vinegar in the Passover seder. Happened many many years later when we get into the uh, blood libels that came about, yeah. you know, from primarily from Christian Europe, right? Um, and Thanks. you know, Jews were being accused of, of taking Killing. Christian babies yeah. and using blood in the matzah and, and the mixing the matzah. Right? Yes. And so having this red wine vinegar and dipping in it was, yeah, yeah, it was kind of reinforcing As, stereotype. Asking for asking for trouble. Exactly. How many of you have actually killed Christian children to dip? The blood and, and make your monster from that. Anybody? Nobody? Okay, just want to check. Yeah. Um, if you do what? Borrow my iPad. While Mr. Upham finishes his thought. So Can he borrow your iPad? So continue with the thought here. So there's that connection. But the other thing that's interesting is what do they do? They say, we're going to take we're going to take his, we're going to um, sell him, and then we're going to take his coat, dip it in the blood of a goat, we'll slay a goat, dip it in the blood of a goat, and we're going to take it back to our father, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say that he was killed by a wild beast, right? Right. right. And um, and when they when they go back to Jacob, they 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 go back and they give him the coat and they say they say you know please recognize whose coat this is. In other words, please tell us whose coat this is, right? And what's interesting is. Um, Jacob gets deceived into thinking that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal, and they used they used his garment and a goat to do it. 
Now, Yaakov deceived his father by taking the goat and and calling it venison, right? And taking the garment of his brother Esau. So you see here, I really like and Judah, and Judah with the whole goat and the whole garment thing. Uh, well, that's where that's the other, and that's coming up in the Parsha, right? But you'll, we'll see the same thing happen with Judah. He gets deceived, you know, he gets deceived, but there's a goat involved in that in that whole transaction as well, and the rat, the garment, yeah. and a garment. So, so you see here, you see Jacob, you know. Again, he's reaping what he's what he's sown in the sense that he deceived his father with a goat and a garment. Now he's being deceived by his son with the same the same thing. That's I like that. I'm actually Mary. Would you write that one down for us? We need to we need to review that one again. That's good. A little interesting thing to tack onto that. I'm actually thinking that Yeshua is God. What do you think? No, I agree. <laughs> And this is entirely speculation, but it's a really cool thought. So, should I put on the mystical hat? Yes. Okay, go. <laughs> the uh, son of Chazal, one of the things they say is that way back when, I don't remember if we discussed this or not, that garment that um, that Joseph, sorry, not Joseph, but, uh, that Jacob wore. When he deceived his father. Yes, when he deceived his father. It wasn't just any garment. It was actually, it was actually the the lamb cloth covering that God made for Adam and that it had Whoa. been it had been passed down for generation to generation Nimrod. and Nimrod had it. And then and then Esau killed Nimrod and took that. And then Jacob wore that. So then the following tradition is that actually what there's some basis for because he smelled he says he smelled the smell of apples or of Eden. Yeah, mm. that's that's really good. <laughs> so then, <laughs> that's that's great. That's good. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember the exact connection, but if I remember correctly, the the cloak that Joseph has as well is somehow connected to that. Am I right? Well, it's it's given to him by his father. <laughs> Isn't it the same? I think it's possibly the same, same thing. thing. Wow. And so, then it's even more interesting because in theory it's the same exact cloak that Jacob used. <laughs> so. That's uh, that's an old smelly garment actually. Is what it is. <laughs> Are they washing this? Hopefully it's been washed. Well, it's been dipped in blood. Somebody washed it. That's uh, wow. Yes. Write that one down too. If you really go on the mystical route, you can then say that the the lambs covering that God made to cover Adam after his shame was then dipped in lamb's blood. But, uh, yeah. You, yeah. you can expound yeah. on that. This could work. This could work. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, uh, oh, sorry. Doton is, is the same location as Shunah. And as, as uh, Rob brought up several weeks ago now, in reference to this son of the Shunammite woman, yes. who's raised from the dead, yes. who is a type of Messiah, in addition to being, maybe being uh, Jonah, right, right. You know, the sign of Jonah, right, right. in the belly of the earth, yes. raised from the dead. Where this pit that they've thrown uh, Mashiach ben Yosef as, as a pipe into the pit. Wow. Into the belly of If you guys haven't gone to Israel and, and are going to go for the tour, you really only, you, you, you visit like four places and you've seen everything in the Bible. Because so, it all happens. In <laughs> it's amazing. Gloria. Well, 
I keep thinking about this, so y'all help me, but it, you know, where he's saying, you know, Messiah is on the cross, and he's calling for, he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some bystanders heard it, and they said, behold, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come down, take you down. Well, it, it hit me. You're talking about the Passover and the sour wine, or the wine vinegar, right. uh, representative of the wine. Um, and then Elijah. I mean, Elijah's in Passover. Yeah. Well, it was Pas like, that was Passover. But I'm seeing, to me, some, some a great parallels. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, wait, are you saying then that you think that this is all happening at the same time when Passover would be? Well, no, she's pointing out that the Passover, the crucifixion story, which happens on Passover, is is tying in with the symbols there mm -hmm. to the to the Pesach story itself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now. Whether or not what we're hearing about is chronologically happening also around Pesach would be an amazing thing, but completely impossible. To Jonathan hasn't was. proved that yet. <laughs> oh, here he comes! Here he comes! Oh, wow. But Joe, it was. They just had Passover. Who did? They just had Passover, didn't they? For the crucifixion? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I said it happened on Passover day, no question. Okay. I'm talking about. Now back with Joseph being stuck in the pit. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, because you're right. That picture is beautiful. So did this happen? All right, well, let's see. What do you got? So the, the one holiday that's associated with Brit Milah is Passover. Right. The whole men of Shem joining Brit Milah, that we can assume just because that's associated with Brit Milah, maybe it might be Passover. Okay, or right around the time. Sure. And, and actually, it would actually be a reason why? I mean, yeah. you say to somebody, you got to get circumcised, they're going to laugh at you. But if you want to join the family, right. even from afar, and you want to eat the Seder meal with us, right. you have yeah. to be circumcised. Yeah. Right. So that's a little additional right. so addition. They're back, like, in, they're back in Chem, up to no good, apparently. And I think Daddy's like, oh yeah, I remember that happened last year around this time. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Seth, why don't you go see the doctor? So, <laughs> so I, I think it could be. Okay, I like it. I like it. There's a whole bunch of Ramez going oh, on there. Go ahead. Okay. Matt Yahoo, I heard. That was cool. Yeah. Um, this is middle name. <laughs> Most Jews have a Hebrew and a Greek name, and I'm finding that actually many non-Jews have a Greek and a Hebrew name. I have a Greek. I have a Greek and a Hebrew name. I, so I do you. I think my first name is Welsh, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, because we've got a Scotsman in the back. <laughs> Um, Strength on this side of the glass. Yeah, we, we ruled the world. Yeah. <laughs> Back, backtracking to something you said earlier, uh, his brother said, the, here comes the dreamer. The dreamer. Right, the dreamer. Here, here comes that dreamer. Uh, yes. And you said God is apparently speaking to him a lot with dreams. Mm -hmm. I was thinking it was interesting kind of pulling back and looking at the way God just spoke to uh, that whole line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and Joseph. He spoke directly with Abraham, you know, Bible voice and all that, and yes. with uh, yes. Isaac as well. They're having these visions. You but with Jacob, it was more of a dream, and then with Joseph, it was only dreams. So I right. just thought it was interesting the way that it's God almost like you know we, we start out real good and now we're fading a little bit. Yeah, taper. I like it. I like I don't it. Really know. Do you uh, do, would you say 
that that tapering off from Abraham down through his progeny and then ultimately then to Joseph would cause an incredible wow effect when you get to Moshe who speaks right. with him face to face and yeah. is a friend. So, you know, it's it's like we start with Abraham who is a friend of God and then it just kind of fades from there and now bam we're back up Moses, you know, because so, the sages do that all the time. We descended. We, we were doing poorly. Oh, and then we got the other and we descended. Yeah, right. that's good. I like that. I like that. Yes, ma'am. Uh, no one has made this connection. Uh, everyone has said that the brothers were up to no good in Shechem. Uh, I mean, there was no men there, just girls, <laughs> just women. <laughs> I, I want to go on record that I did mention there were no guys there, but I didn't even think that that only leaves girls. Yeah, we're talking about being up to no good. I'm very pleased that you didn't recognize that. That's good. It's a purity. I like that. That's good. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was their down Shechem? Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, that's. I'll write that one down too. I like that. Yeah. Okay, so so somebody uh, somebody help me out with Reuben. The sages say that Reuben was actually uh, spending more time on personal piety and was actually stepped out away from the brothers so that he could pray. Right? He's going to do tshuva. He's got his time of prayer. He's going to come back and save the brother. Gets back and oh nuts, he's gone. What's happened to him? That's what the sages say. You don't like that. Well, I mean, that's okay. Just That's a foolish thing to do. I'm going to go pray before I save him. Well, the sages ding him. The sages are like, well, you know, it's great that he was a pious man, but, you know, uh, our duty to our brother, literally, in this case, is more important than personal piety. Um, got you, got you. I was reading, not so much than that, but Reuben, he's the eldest of the brothers. Yes. And um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he didn't like Joseph as, uh, Joseph as much as his other brothers, but, I mean, speaking as an older brother, I, there's a certain, like, sense you feel like you're responsible for the rest Absolutely. of the Absolutely, and if you don't, you ought to. Right. So, Who think, would be the most emotionally damaged when a father favors one son over the rest and it's not the eldest? Yeah. I think that eldest guy's probably got a, you know, it's right. But I think chip also, on his shoulder. I, th I think that's true too. But I think also Reuben's part of the reason why he wants to make sure Joseph at least doesn't get killed is he feels mm -hmm. some of that mm -hmm. older brother guilt. Yeah, too. I think you're right. That's you know, good. Take care of his brother. Coming uh, up. So Reuben prevents them from killing him initially. They fill him in the pit. Apparently he leaves, right? Right. So the Midrash Rabbah, I'm just going to read this, and, and where was Reuben at the time? Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua offer different views. Rabbi Eliezer says that Reuben was occupied with his sackcloth and with his fasting and repentance for rearranging his father's bed. And when he was free, he went and looked into the pit. Thus it is written that Reuben returned to the pit. The Midrash records God's response to Reuben's repentance. The Holy One, blessed as he, said to Reuben, No man heretofore has sinned before me repented, and you are the first to take the initiative of regard to repentance. By your life, your descendant will one day rise and take the initiative with regard to repentance. And which descendant is this? This is Hosea. Mm -hmm. Really? So, um, Hosea so this, the prophet? Yes, the prophet. Yeah, so Hosea... You know he was a Reuben. Yeah, so according to this Midrash, Hosea is a descendant of Reuben. And so they say he went away because he was doing shuba for the fact that he had defiled his father's bed. Right. And when he came back, 
to rescue him, he was gone. But the Midrash describes that because of his repentance, there was this, you know, uh, blessing down the line. Blessing that Hosea would arise from his um, from his lineage and and preach repentance. Of course, we know those of us in Zaid class know that Hazal say there was no greater prophet than Hosea exactly. in terms of the message that he had. Praise so, God. That's good. That's good. I was going to say that I think Reuben was just being a little selfish. Obviously, he's defiled his father's bed. He's lost his position as the firstborn. Here's a great opportunity to save the favorite or the, the one who's going to inherit the blessing of right. the father. And, and when he comes back and realizes that Joseph is gone, he says, where am I to go? He's like, what? You sold him? Now what am I going to do? That, that's how I, that, he was going to be my leveraging tool to try right, to get right. back in favor. Back in good graces. Right. And now what am I? I got nothing. That's what I got. So, while, his mother, while he probably definitely had repentance, he, was, he wanted to save his brother. He, it was still for selfish means. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have, uh, I've always wondered about large sibling groups. Mm. And you normally, you normally have one that can convince the other to do right or to do wrong. We will look at any person in the room. Just a curious thing. Yes, are you going to speak? I think, I think, you know, Ruben, Ruben seems to kind of convey, like, sort of a partial repentance that I think many of us tend to do, and that we feel guilty for what we've done. Yeah. We wish to escape the consequences and to make it right somehow. Um, but it's like it almost sort of goes, only goes halfway. Whereas I think for the story with the Reba Judah, I think that his repentance is so much deeper because um, we see him recognizing his sin, not only in seeing it, but like acknowledging it, publicly admitting it, in the case of Tamar. And doing something about it. Doing something about it. And then following up later, we see it's Reuben who says to, to, to Jacob, um, you can kill you me. Can kill my, you can kill my two sons if I don't bring that Benjamin to you. And Jacob's like, what's that going to do me? It's Judah who goes to Jacob and says, I will bear the blame. I will take responsibility for it. Yeah. So it's again, it's that idea. And then later it's Judah who comes before Joseph and says, take me. Let, let, the, let the difficulty of the punishment fall on me, not Benjamin. And I think that we see here, again, it's like this idea that Judah's repentance was very heartfelt. And he realized what he had done was wrong. And the wrongness of it caused him to do things differently. Whereas I think Reuben merely was struggling under the consequences of his sin and was trying to change those. That's not necessarily to say that Reuben's repentance is worthless. I think that the sages right. support him. And I think that, honestly, it's better than not repenting at all. Sure. But I think that yes. Judah embodies that better repentance of the heart. Agreed. And I think that we can use that with our children to teach them the difference. You bet. Yes, we were talking about Judah. Judah. Tomorrow? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I want to breeze through this. I know it's just action-packed. Can you believe that we're almost done with the book of Genesis already? I mean, the, the portions are so big. we got to switch. There's so much. Yeah, the three-year tour, right? Um, I, we were thinking about the ten-year tour, so, you know, it's like two verses a week. <laughs> <laughs> that would get ridiculous if someone's genealogy wants. Yeah. <laughs> we finally understand them. That's right. We are hitting different stuff than last year. That's right. So, so chapter 38 starts this seemingly like kind of insertion of this story with Judah and Tamar. And there's always been a lot of discussion about why is this in here? It seems like it's kind of out of place. It's just kind of like a, like a parenthetical, oh, by the way, you know, this, this happened. Yeah, I had this other story I wrote. I might as well put it here. Right. <laughs> but... but 
what I think is cool is to is to parallel look at the parallels between the story of Judah and Tamar with um, with what happens now with Yosef. Uh, okay, because verse uh, chapter thirty eight starts out with verse one. Didn't it, it always start out with verse one? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> good. It came to pass at that time that Yehuda went down from his brethren, and he turned into a certain Dolomite whose name was uh, Hirah. So uh, that phrase, and he went down. Okay, we see in verse one of chapter thirty-nine where it goes back to the story of Joseph. It says the Ishmaelites took him. Down, down into Egypt. Egypt, yeah. So right away we see this parallel. Judah and Yosef are both going down. Mm. And and the idea is um, not only were they physically going down because they were in Shechem, which is in Judean hill country. Right. And uh, and uh, the the, um, the they both descended. He went down Yosef obviously went down into Egypt and um, Judah went down to the coast, to the to the town there. Okay, so physically they both went down, but but of course there's a, a spiritual parallel here to say that they were both descending from a higher spiritual level, if you were, mm-hmm. and both descending, you know, to uh, a, a, a lower spiritual level, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of parallel number one. Uh, and then we have the whole thing about Judah. Uh, Judah finds a um, he marries a Canaanite woman. That's a problem, right? Um, whose name was Shua. And uh, well, uh, father's name. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, I stand corrected. So his wife, his Canaanite wife, conceives, and she has three sons: uh, Er, uh, Er, Er, Anan, and uh, Shelah. And um, Tamar, it's interesting, Tamar is not described as a Canaanite. Uh, it does not use the description Canaanite with respect to Tamar. Uh, and by the way, her name Tamar means um, date palm. It's the name Hebrew. Tamar means date palm. It's Hebrew. Yeah. And a date palm in scripture is a symbol of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So Tamar is a goy. She's not from, she's not a son of Israel, I and mean, she's not Israeli or Israelite, but she's not Canaanite either. And and Chazal um, somehow had linked her genealogy to Shem, so she is Semitic, but she's not an Israelite. Okay, um, so she's not descended from Abraham. She's not descended from Abraham, but, but she, she is, is from Abraham's from, right. She's descended North from Shem, which was the you know, the yes. still had a blessing there. Um, so Tamar is is described as being righteous, and so he marries he marries Tamar to his older son uh, Er, and it says that he was wicked, and so God killed him before she had any uh, children. Interesting play on the Hebrew there, because his name is spelled in Hebrew Ein Resh, and if you reverse it. It spells Ra, which is wicked. And evil, and the same word we had earlier about the reports that Joseph was given. And that's how he's described, as he was wicked and God killed him, right? So then he gives his, gives her to his uh, next son, um, Onan, under the Leverite you know, custom. And 
Onan basically uses her for personal gratification, but doesn't, but refuses to honor his brother and, and doesn't want to divide inheritance, and so he does not um, allow her to to um, become pregnant with children. So God kills him, right, because of his of his wickedness. Now, at at this point, I, I got to tell you, I. I've, I'm just thinking I would probably be doing the same thing Judah did. It's like the third one. Let's let's let's, let's just wait a little while now. Let's. Judah's uh, thinking she hasn't worked. Yeah, it hasn't worked out real well with you, and you know, let let him get out of band camp, and you know. Well, so, she, in fact, Judah. The scripture says Judah sent her back to her father's house, which was kind of saying, "Look, I'm done, done with you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Shelah gets older, come talk to me, but just go back to your dad's house and, you know. So he kind of just kind of blows her off, right? Um, but she, because she was righteous, because she knew about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, she'd been connected to the family, obviously, so she knew the story, she knew the heritage. She had, she loved the God of Israel, right? She wasn't going to go away. She was. We see kind of like the Ruth attitude here. She was determined to get what was rightfully hers according to God, right, and according to the Torah. Right. So, so she, you know, comes up with this plan to disguise herself, to veil herself as a harlot, and she goes and um, stands in a uh, in a particular place. Um, Petach Anaim, which there's a couple different understandings of what that means, but one translation is um, is the entrance or, or gates of the two springs. Anaim, Aim, Yadaim, so two mm-hmm. of the two springs. You know, so we get the water thing going, hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is in Tina, a place called Tina, right? Um, so, because she heard that, Ju- that Judah was going to take a sheep up there to be shorn. So she goes up there. She describes. She she's, she veils herself, dresses up like this, um, like this Prost. prostitute, which is understood to basically be a Canaanite temple prostitute type situation. And sure enough, she's standing there at this particular place. And Judah comes by and sees her. And she, you know, she catches his eye, and he approaches her and is very frank with what he wants. And she says, "Well, what will you give me?" And he says, I'll give you a, a kid, a goat from the flock. Um, and she said, okay. But he said, I don't have it with me. I'll send it to you. She said, well, you give me a pledge. Well, I'll give you my signet, my staff, and my my garment, wrap, yeah. my wrap. Okay. So, uh, which is kind of like saying, I'll give you my driver's license and my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what it was in that day and age, yeah. right? So... Um, she takes them, he consorts, and then he leaves, and then she puts back on her widow garb, goes home. Three months later, she's showing, ah, what's this? And she's pregnant. Okay. And so um, Judah says, bring her out to be burned. Um, and she says, as they bring her out, she sends the staff, the wrap, and the signet to him, and she uses the exact same words that he used with his father Jacob, right. 
She says, identify these if you please. Kanah. Right? Kanah. Right. Which, which is the exact same thing that Judah said with, with Joseph's robe. She took the robe back. He said, he said, Father, identify this if you please. Okay? So, Judah deceived Jacob with a goat and a garment. And now he is, that's coming back on him because he's being presented with his garment. You know, and, and, and there was a, a goat involved right, in the transaction, right? right? right. And so <laughs> they're coming back. Now, parallel this again with what happens to Yosef in Egypt. He went down, right? Now he's in slavery, right? So he's, he's in slavery. He's now finds himself in Potiphar's house. And he's now being taunted daily and tempted daily by Potiphar's wife. Well, so what happens? She and she's very frank with what she wants. There's no, there's no kind of tiptoeing. There's no subtlety. She's like just like Jude, right? Okay. Um, of course, the fact that Potiphar was a eunuch well, probably had something. To do. But anyway, um, so she says, "Lie with me." He refuses, and he gets, she, gets and she and he runs out. She grabs his garment. So here we have a garment now that's used by Potiphar's wife to falsely accuse Yosef. Yeah, you gotta, are you going to pull a goat out of your hat here in a second? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm missing the goat on this last one. But the garment is used to falsely accuse Yosef, whereas Judah's garment was, was righteously yeah. used yeah. to reveal the truth. And, and to, to Joshua's point, Judah, when he saw, when he said she's more she's more righteous than I am. Right. Tamar, the righteous one, is more righteous. Well, yeah. Duh. And from that, you know, we then have the the seed of Messiah. As we saw in Matthew. But you have these parallels with Yosef that both go down. And, and and by the way, the place where where Judah went was a place called Timnah. Timnah. There's another person who went to Timnah. That we read about in the book of the Judges, Shimshon. Says he went down, he went down. It's Samson, for those of you not up on the Hebrew. To Tina and 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 got involved with the Philistine yeah. woman. Yeah. Right? So you see these parallels continuing to play out. The the intrigue, the veiling, the hidden, the the goats, the garments, the uh, it's all playing back and forth. You know, in these recurring themes, it's really four cool. places in the whole spook. I think I've told this before, but maybe I didn't catch it. This was his seat seat. His signet and his core. Everybody tied different. Everybody tied their knots differently. There's a great museum in Jerusalem that way, too. And they actually tell the story in the museum with the seat seat and show that they would press it in clay and do all kinds of things. And so yeah. for him to give her a garment would have been. What we see throughout as shelter of your wings, you know, the woman touching the garment, the hem of the garment. I mean, it's an ongoing identity of yeah. so many things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Very quickly with the Joseph Judah parallels, there are a number of other ones too that show up. Um, it says specifically that in chapter 38 that he married, he sees a prominent Canaanite, it's an Ish Canae in Hebrew. And later it says that Joseph is sold to a prominent Egyptian in Yish Mitzrayi. Mm. That same word. Um, he marries a woman uh, who's not Jewish. Jo Judah does. Or rather, um, he kind of ends up with a woman who's not Jewish. 
And interestingly enough, Joseph also ends up with a woman who's not Jewish. Mm -hmm. Judah's wife, he's, when she is committed accused of harlotry, he says, let her be burned, which we learn from the Torah is only done for um, daughters of priests. So there's one interpretation, dad was, my dad was commenting that she may have been a descendant of Shem or something. It was, she's a daughter, daughter of a priest. Which, then, which we know Joseph was married. Yeah, and Joseph the marries the daughter of a priest. Um, and so there's a number of little links that I think that the, the, the allegory, the imagery is very intentional. And I see Joseph's parallel of descending down into Egypt and then his rise to the kingship as a physical parallel of Judah's experience. Judah descends spiritually, and he basically hits rock bottom, just like Joseph will hit rock bottom circumstantially. But like Joseph, Judah doesn't stay there. Judah also rises up. And then later, what we end up seeing is they both end up having two sons by this non-Jewish daughter priest. And it so happens that Judah's line that descends through, oh, the younger one, just like, uh, it ends up being sort of the picture of the southern tribes of Israel, you know, Judah, and ultimately Messiah, King David, comes to that, that younger son. And then for Joseph, it's the younger son, Ephraim, who ends up sort of becoming the summary of the whole northern tribes of Israel. So we see ultimately that God actually ends up balancing these two men, even though Joseph was more righteous in a sense. Judah's repentance, I think, earns him a place of prominence there. And I think that that is an encouragement for us. Sometimes you can find yourself in the, in the dungeon of the chamber of the butcher spiritually, yeah. but um, that you don't have to stay there. And Judah is proof that you can only, only be not stay there, but you can actually arise above to the point where you too can still fulfill that mission that God had for you. And change the world. David, David and the writer of Hebrews also draw from this midrash uh, regarding Tamar and recognizing that there is a messianic picture somehow of this from the line of Perez because he said you are priest forever in the order of Machitzedek, which, as we'd say from the Midrash, is Shem, who is the father of Tamar, who is then, Machitzedek has a grandson who is Peretz, who is the who is the precursor for Messiah. That's cool. That's true. Yes, I was confused because you guys called Tamar righteous, and I guess her name means righteous, but this doesn't seem like a very righteous thing to do. Mm. Just an observation. Is, is, I mean, am I wrong? To deceive? Or is it counteract? She's, because she, she's, she was bad, she can do something bad. She's, 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 she's choosing her right. Her right is to have that son. Yeah. I, think, I, I think she's the wrong way. I, mean, on the, on the surface, yeah. on the surface, it looks bad, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say on the surface, harlot, I would say on yeah. the surface, it is bad. It doesn't just look bad. It is bad. It's pretty disgusting. Her father-in-law did. She, I know she had the right to be no. with the brother. Well, definitely not. Yeah, this, yeah, this no. No. Yeah. On the surface, it is bad. <laughs> on the surface. But, but how it ends up is, makes it right? Is that, I mean, obviously it was okay. not planned. It was the bloodline of Jesus. It just mm -hmm. seems weird to me. Um, I'm, I'll throw, I'll throw my two cents in. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead. Very good. <laughs> how many cents do you have? Um, I don't know if I'm not sure that I would I'm, I'm not sure I'm totally in the camp that what she did was bad okay. it certainly was um, not good it was certainly certainly on the edge right yeah. okay well but but what here's the here you have to understand you have to understand Leverett law right 
Leverite law says if your husband dies before you have children, the next oldest, uh, his the oldest brother has to has to come is, in. Is right? absolute. Is that only if he's not married? It's or? an absolute obligation, no, no. That's and it doesn't matter whether he's married. It's an absolute obligation because because you have to understand that the mentality here is that if you let your uh, if you let a brother die with no um, with no um, children, no heirs. I mean that's like the lowest. I mean it's like it's like total dishonoring because at that point your your children were your um, inheritance was your inheritance right, and it would be condemning the wife to abject poverty. Okay, so in that culture, in this was taken extremely serious. So the older brother had to step in. Well, Onan failed to do that, and God took exception. <coughs> so, not only does the culture take this seriously, God kind of takes yeah, it seriously, right? Then, and then Judah um, failed to give Shelah, because he would have been the next. Right. Well, the law says that if the if the brother, if there's no brothers, then the next uh, the next closest male, which is Judah. Judah. Oh, so it does say that. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly what happened with with uh, Ruth, right? The the nearest relative was supposed to take it. Right. But he chose not to. So it went to the next closest, which happened to be Boaz. So so, so here's the thing. Tamar was keeping the Torah by what she did. Judah had had was not keeping the Torah. No. So <laughs> like the opposite. <laughs> I'm still not going to say that what she did was well, a I'm good not, thing, I'm not but I'm with you. Dress up as a harlot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the point is that she was consistent with the requirement, and Judah was forsaking his obligation under the requirement. And and you and you have to wonder what, yeah, especially in that culture, is a woman to do? I mean, we see the widow who's constantly banging on the door of the judge in the apostolic scriptures, right? She's going to wear him down, right? She's got chutzpah, exactly right. And that's what right. Tamar is, chutzpah. Uh, or, or chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> you, and then you, and then you. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And you. Well, I'm going to take you first. Yes. Well, it's just, um, just to throw in the haftar, it does say, a man and, a, and his father go into right. the same girl okay. to defile my holy name. So it was like a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember in the Torah... It's saying anything about the dad, yeah. like the dad of the sons ever having to step in. But well, well it does say the nearest. The, the nearest has to do it. I was thinking next that, that, would that verse would apply only if both those men are alive at the same time. Yeah. But yeah. If, if you're going along the chain reaction of nearest relatives, right. well, if, if you're out of brothers for Tamar... Look, you're going to go through that generation. Tomorrow. That generation's dead. Who else is there? We There's go. always another next of kin. Right, but but you have to question. Well, it's not you. It, that's actually why I why I'm hedging my bet because the next guy in line is not Judah. It's Shelah. Or it's yeah, I'm hedging my bet because God clearly saw this as the right thing. God worked through even David's sin. Good point. I always have trouble when I try and weigh which sin is worse than another sin. <laughs> well, you know, yes, ma'am. Well, I want to back up what Greg is saying too, in that 
Judah said, she's more righteous than I am. Mm -hmm. So he was in agreement with what she did, even though it's she didn't do it in a proper, right. possibly as we would think it, but we're not in that culture, and we're not in that place. And, and to speak to also, he had told her to go back to her father. Well, he denounced his responsibility. Right. Yeah. You're not my problem. Go back to your dad. Which, which is actually just not the case. No. She was and continued to be his problem. I had. Uh... <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. Go ahead. I, I, everyone keeps saying that she's clearly here to be a harlot. I'm not really seeing that. In the end, that's the end result. Clearly, but I think <laughs> we're all saying that we're 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 saying she's a harlot. That never said she was a harlot. Dressed she dressed up as a harlot. Where do you see that? Because, because she she dressed herself like a like a harlot, not as a widow. He saw the harlot. She was a harlot. Why would she think? Why would he think she was a harlot? Why would you think this man over here is a policeman? Well, he's dressed like a policeman. Why would you think this man is a chef? He's dressed like a chef. Why would you think she's a harlot? Well, maybe she was dressed like a harlot. She wasn't. She wasn't dressed. As you know, player. like a flamenco dancer. But here's the thing. <laughs> Everyone around is going, what harlot are you talking about? <laughs> Even a Dulamite thought. The, 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 the Dulamite guy. What's his name? Hira? Hira? Hira shows up. Hey, where's the prostitute? I say, maybe it was just a place. He thought she was a prostitute. Well, okay, well, I'm saying... She played the prostitute. I agree. I agree. Okay. Now, I'm just, I was just confused why, because it doesn't explicitly said. And she put on clothing of a harlot. What does it say she put clothing on? She, she removed her widow's garb from upon her, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped yes. herself up. He so says, Judah yeah. saw her, See, this? he thought she was a harlot, for she covered her face. But then everyone else is like, what harlot are you talking well, about? Well, no, they're talking about a regular harlot. A regular harlot. <laughs> you know, like, where, where's the harlot? Oh, she's on the corner of 4th and Main. Right. That's what she, she's always there. She was on the corner. That's right. She was on the corner, I and mean, she's waiting for the guy. She well, she was waiting for one guy. <laughs> All right, but I, I like I like that you're watching the detail here. Stand by, I've got a shorter man. Did you have something? Good man. Yes, sir. I just, I thought it was interesting that this is not the only tamar in the Bible. This is not. That's right. And, you, and you've got a whole sex thing with the other tamar too. Actually, sister of uh, Absalom, David's son, oh, mm -hmm. and that kicks off the whole Absalom versus David thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like. That tomorrow is like tomorrow's great 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 granddaughter, right? Right. <laughs> so, and, and why would they name her tomorrow? After great 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 grandma, who's righteous, and the name means righteous. Back to your point. It means date right. So, maybe, oh, yeah, that's right. It means date fine. Maybe I'm going to be on an island here. But <laughs> the thing about it, we're going to sink or swim together. Up like a harlot, but she, in fact did it to get her rightful husband. He, at that point, he, under the law, was her rightful husband. Uh, I'm still going to go with Shelly. I'm going uh, to... I, I have a counter. Let's go to the other island. So she deception to get Judah to do the right thing that he wasn't going to do otherwise. Mm. But, she, but, but the act was with someone who was... Under at least my understanding of of, of, of how leverage marriage works, was was he would be obligated. So it's not like she. But I, I, so. I'm I'm with you. I get the concept. I'm just thinking the obligation. He has an obligation to give his third son to her. Yes. And we don't. And the third son is presumably still there. Now, 
I think you've got an out if you tell everybody that there is a possibility that Shelah could have died. We just don't have record of it because he's never mentioned again. Maybe he's dead, and then absolutely well, you're we in the rest. We know she she saw that she saw up. he was grown up. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he grew up. Then get hit by a bus. <laughs> Camel. I would sit on that crossroads. We're having right in front of him. She's like, "Wait. Well, I got what else she Oh, here comes Judah. Her intention was to get. That's right. Yeah. So let's cut off the bus too soon. No, I think the biggest the biggest proof to me that what Judah did Tamar did was morally wrong, even if it was the best intentions. Yes. I'm not willing to say that. I think Tamar's intentions were great. But is the fact that it specifically says that he was not intimate with her anymore. Why does it matter? If Judah and Tamar were supposed to be um, connected to each other through leverage marriage, because Judah was next in line, shouldn't it have been completely appropriate for him to marry her? It had to be more appropriate, because now she's going to live in his home it's okay. with his sons. Because the story is much more interesting. <laughs> so I think, well, I think, I think Judah himself I think, goes, I think this is you gross, have and I don't think it's as much speculation in that as he does mm-hmm. on the Shella skip thing. But my, my but I'm, I, no, she, but I'm, she totally should have seduced Shella. That's, That's what, what I was thinking. Why wasn't she trying to go there? Really? And maybe she was just too old for yeah, Shella. Yeah, the guy on the house. Well, that's true. I, I think you've caused a lot of problems here. <laughs> Shella is just like right. very that's what it's nervous, you know, like glasses. He's got, and he's just like, he's like, mm. he's like, oh, he doesn't want to leave and look at her. And Judah's like, just be a man. <laughs> <laughs> like your brother wasn't. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. All right. Joseph. But, <laughs> One second, my friend, and I will let Certainly. you close out this entire thing with a with a with a degree of wisdom. I'm sure. Final before the the big well, guns come in. I was actually I was going to also say about the other Tamar. Yes, this is the second time you're bringing up the other Tamar. Well, we didn't get to that well, yet. I, I interrupted you. Oh, okay, okay. What when the, the second Tamar? I just thought it was nice to bring back the goat. The um, Absalom murders his brother during the sheep shearing, and that's what kind of kicks off the whole. Because of Tamar, I thought that was interesting. During the sheep shearing, yeah, the yeah. and Tamar's name backwards is Ram at. <laughs> yeah. And she went up for the sheep. That's right, he was going up for the sheep shearing. Shear. So we got. We, <laughs> We're full of goats here, buddy. <laughs> Ramat. Where are you tracking the goats? Yes, sir. Okay, just along the same lines with the going up to shear the sheep. Yeah. And the thought that she should have gone after Shalop. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Judah was keeping Shalop away. Right. I think that's because. Of what had happened to his other two sons, so she never had the opportunity yeah. to do. To yeah. to do and, I, and I, I would say that the scripture bears that out. That seems to be the implication of sending her back to his, her mom. Right. I mean, her dad's house, um, put on the widow's guard, and she's noticing Shella apparently from afar, growing up. Right. So, and so now he's going up there. So the proximity thing has been resolved in her side. So. Um, just to get it on the tape, do you think what uh, Tamar did was, uh, was wrong? <laughs> Seems like we have a, a, a set of differing opinions on. Uh, yeah, I would. I'd say she went about it the wrong way. 
what, a, what about the wrong way? Something wrong the wrong way or something right the wrong way? So you think the wrong way might be right? To be clear, though, in the laws of this country, don't do this. This is a bad idea. Okay. Close out the whole love right marriage thing. I'm just reading back, and it definitely says before it goes on the laws of love right marriage if brothers dwell together. So I don't think it ever graduates to the father because then what if the father only has one son and he dies and then the woman's there. She, well, she, he I, never marries her. I think, we see a, I, think, I think we see a clarification of that in the book of Ruth because neither one of those guys are brothers. Neither, neither. They're right. dealing with uh, Mehlon. Is it Mehlon or the? Yeah, yeah, the right. Right. I think you also um, have to look at the halakha But neither one of those guys were brothers of the same man. There's a there's a relative closer. He says, so they appear to be like cousins. So it's definitely there's some man has to step up. Is is my point? So we get some clarification in the book of Ruth. But I'm with you. Yes, ma'am. It's interesting. You might know this, or maybe it's interesting in this portion that two, two times a woman is propositioning a man. Or two times? Yes, a part of her wife is that. Oh, yes, yes. Is yeah, all in one portion. Yes. And she gets all blamed. Sure, yeah. And, um, and Melanie wants to give all the money to Tamar. Nobody else does. Everybody else. We're all saying she's good. No, I'm only That's a good point. Yeah. So the whole portion is about wicked women. No. And I have to move us on. Yes, sir. Just real quickly, just to, to resolve the, the dis disagreements, uh, the sages disagreed. Just Back and forth, just like just this. like this. Yeah. And one side said, and, "No way was she right," and the other side said, "Absolutely was she right." And and I think it's important for us to step out of the whole. I, I don't want to just say church mindset, yeah. but I'll say that whole Greek mindset that we have, where we've got to be able to figure it out. We have to know it was right or it was wrong. We we don't have to come to that conclusion, because. The Bible, I think, at God is very clear at times that something is righteous, something is good, something is wisely done, and so on. If God could have said it, he chose not to. And if anything, I think as uh, Jonathan uh, taught us some months ago, when the sages want to twist it or change the text a little bit, or the sages are arguing back and forth about something and can't come to a conclusion, what does it do? It makes us all talk about it all the more. <laughs> and I think that's never a bad thing. Well, Joseph says later, you intended it for bad, but God, God, used, intended, it for God used it for good. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and we said even with David, right? Mm -hmm. With uh, Abigail and with uh, the, uh, Bathsheba. Bathsheba or Bathsheba. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We're going to close up with, uh, with the Joster going down to uh, Egypt. And uh, we're going to jump... Um, this is a bully pulpit. We're jumping down into the uh, into the prison, into the prison. So uh, I noticed uh, for the first time this uh, this year, as I was reading, that uh, you got two fellows that are in the jail. Aside from all the other people in there, two are mentioned. One is a cupbearer. Cup Who said that? Wait, well done. Well done. And one is a baker. That's exactly right. So we've got a cupbearer and we've got a baker. Name another cupbearer. 
Uh, oh, 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 Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the other cupbearer. Very good. That's how it opens up. I was cupbearer to the king, right? Or Nehemi, right? I mean, we got asked all the time as children. Why is your countenance fallen? Why has your countenance turned? <laughs> all the time. All the time. All the time. I always go to the cupbearer. I never got asked If you had to, uh, if you had to sort of summarize, would you say that the dreams that these two men had were similar or dissimilar? They seem to be similar. So generically, how can we put it? I had a dream. My no, I had a dream and three something. Three somethings, and the three somethings tend to point to their their labor, their their job, right? So I got three grapevines or tendrils or branches, depending on your version, where I've got three baskets of baked goodies, right? So I got three. Then what else? Is there anything else common? Stuff for Pharaoh. Yeah, the king's involved. In some way, shape, or form, the king's involved, and these guys work for the king. Was the king involved in the baker's tree? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it was bread, it's, it's goodies for Pharaoh. In the top it's goodies for the king. He in the top actually, he's not in it. No, no, no. Yeah. No. no, he's not well, in it. But the king's, in, the king's involved in some way. All right? So let's look at the differences for just a second, and I would ask you, stand by. I would ask you, when I say three, and I do it twice, what's the difference between these three? In one, I've got three, which turns out to be days. After three days, what happens? One guy is lifted up and taken out away from Joseph. And in three days, another guy is killed. If you put those two stories together, folks, you have the picture of Messiah. In three days, he died and then was lifted up. I thought you were going to go with the uh, guys on the other, either side of the cross. Well, that's clever. That's clever. We got a good and bad. Okay. Uh huh. Good. He he said he thought I was going to go with the guys on either side of the cross. You've got one who is hurling insults, and you got the other one who says, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." Carbs, alcohol. Okay. <laughs> Carbs and alcohol. That's good. That's great. That's good. <laughs> You can't help but feel bad for the baker. Because it, it specifically says he, he waited to see. Yeah, oh, this is a good interpretation. Okay. All right. That one's very well, let me tell you mine. Yeah. This is very bad. Yeah. Wait, wait. I got, I got three in mine, too. Look at baskets instead of branches. This is great. Yes. Tell me about it. Oh. There's birds eating from the top basket. Had you said there were bagels in the bottom basket, that wasn't okay. <laughs> no, but no, you got people eating out of the top basket. Stand by one second. I thought it was interesting that he, he so he asked the question, why is your countenance falling? The baker understand their preferred is taking stuff from your basket, but but the the cupbearer 
it sounded like history was somewhat pleasant. He was doing what his job was. Why was he upset? Mm. You know, mm. maybe because he wasn't there anymore. But still, like, I would think that you wouldn't be overly upset if his dream was somewhat pleasant. It could be that he was upset simply that he had some weird dream that he couldn't interpret, right. which caused him to ask about it. He's and he said, well, yeah, being in prison is a bad thing, too. Um, did you have something? You raised your hand? Checking on that. Roger that. Uh, yes, ma'am. Well, pass. Um, one little cool Hebrew thing I noticed this year on the mm-hmm. names of the characters. The Chamberlain word in Hebrew is Sar. I, yeah, I um, saw that uh, while, while it was being read. Which most famously today, uh, or in um, more messianic circles, Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. What's kind of cool about that is I've always sort of heard Sar as described as like the warlord character. But in this case, I almost, um, in which case he's like this triumphant, you know, but he's going to bring peace. You know, he's got a forceful character, but he's peaceful in his nature. Whereas in this sentence, I almost think of it more like peace is like his, it's his job. It's the thing that he does. So he's the czar of the bakers. Hence, it's like baking, baking is sort of what he leads and he sort of dictates and runs. Or he's the czar of the cupbearers. So he's the czar of shalom. It's like it's his job. It's something that he's intimately acquainted with. Yes, it's something good. that he can, good. he has complete control he over. He is peace. He's in charge of peace. He's all about peace. I like that. I like that. Did you guys notice Melchizedek, by the way? Oh, you didn't see him? The bread and the wine. Melchizedek shows up with bread and wine after the battle, right? What do you got? Joseph is now presented with bread, bread and wine. <laughs> and of course, which takes the precedence. Thank you very much. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did I skip somebody? Did you? No? Fast? Okay. Yes, sir. With respect to the, the cupbearer's dream, yes. about the vine and the three branches mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, all that, Chazal mm-hmm. um, and the Midrash, they, they um, associate that with redemption. Specifically, uh, it was a prophetic picture of the redemption from Egypt. Yeah. Um, and, and But the whole idea is it's associated with redemption. Well, that's kind of cool because... You know, Yeshua said, "I am the vine." Right. Right. So, the Redeemer is. So, there's some kind of there's some pictures there that kind you of. Bet. You bet. Well, yeah, I like the closeness of the cupbearer to the king. He puts it in his hand, that kind of thing. And I just think of Yeshua as being very near and dear to the the King of Kings and so on. Yes. Yeah. Good. Uh, I thought you were to go. I mean, they were having. It was cool, wasn't it? There you go. That's great. That's great. All right, so final, last comment. First hand up gets it. Nobody? Or I'll do it. Did you want to cause some more trouble? Was that a great question, by the way? Don't you love it when people ask the questions that are on their hearts? That's great. It was perfect. It was perfect. All right, so um, the... um, the one thing we did not mention, of course, is when uh, when Potiphar gets home. Then she told, she that being this uh, wife of Potiphar, told Potiphar a similar account, saying, The Hebrew slave 
whom you brought to us came to me to sport with me. But it happened that when I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. It was when his master heard his wife's words, which she spoke to him, saying, Your slave did these things, did things like these to me. His anger flared up. Who, who do you think he was mad at? Do we have any account? As Rick made the first comment here as we started, Joseph is without guile. He's always saying absolutely truthful things, even if it's extraordinarily unpleasant or inopportune. This guy has already made a boatload of money because having Joseph in the house is a really, really good thing. Do you suppose this is the first time that this woman has done something like this? Do you think that her character seems consistent, or was this just a one-off? Because Joseph, it says at the beginning, was extremely good-looking in appearance. <laughs> I think I think the scripture bears out that he was mad at his wife. It's borne out by the fact that this this man had been blessed by Joseph. He had put everything into his hands. And he doesn't kill him. And he doesn't kill him. He was probably really it mad must be time for make a prayers. I mean everybody knows. Look he must be really mad at his wife. Because she's putting him in a loose position. He's in an impossible situation. He, he can't not do something yeah. to Joseph because that would, I mean, yeah. 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 Right. Faces, I don't believe you, and the slave's more important to me than you. But he doesn't want to lose him. He can seem so great and exactly. he's successful. And, and don't you think that the, the wording points to that? She's just kind of throwing it back and says, This Hebrew slave that you brought in. That kind of thing. So, anyway. In the, in the following portions, we, we learn, of course, that Potiphar's daughter uh, becomes uh, the wife and the mother of, uh, of Ephraim and Manashvich. Uh, and like, as we were drawing, I think it was you were talking about the two women, and, the, and Joshua mentioned the four sons and the parallels or whatever else. And there, and there is some really, uh, you know, not that, not that Potiphar's wife's intentions were correct, but the sages do are, are drawn to this and going, this is just really too odd that we have these, these four sons uh, coming from these two women in this same portion, and well, not Potiphar's wife, but Potiphar's daughters. daughters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, that there's, and there's that same play with Judah, yeah. not the son, right. and uh, um, uh, what's her name, Asanath? And not the and not the mother, uh, you know that odd little mix, and and these are the questions we're supposed to ask. Exactly. Because, as Joshua pointed out, both of these lines are significant. You know, we have Messiah and Judah on one side, and then we have Ephraim and Manasseh on the other side, and and we have all of Israel being represented in just this one story. Exactly right. And there's Gentiles throughout. And the other. The other thing here is what, what this also shows is that God can bring redemption and bring um, lots of good 
out of lots of nasty stuff. And right. you know, if you think you've got a dysfunctional family, folks, this this is <laughs> unbelievable. Us, so. All right, let's uh, let's pray, shall we? Good Father, we thank you for the Word of God, the opportunity to come together while we still have that privilege. We pray, Father, that the rest of our day would be one filled with great joy, with true rest, and that we would keep the Sabbath, keep it separate and holy, and in so doing, honor you, your Son, and your Word. We pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Karanenu, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, and our Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good Shabbos, everyone. And Chag Sameach.